guitar the next week. <laughs> All right, then, real quickly, this is very pastoral. I'm not going to be explanatory on a lot of it. It's just something that's going to help us. If you were here Wednesday night, you know we're talking about a couple of these things. If you didn't get one, raise your hand just real quickly. I've got some handsome guys and gals. Jeff's got a couple guys, I guess, are going to help me back in the back. If you're a member of our assembly or an adherent, means like you attend this church occasionally, part-time, sometime, every now and then, raise your hand. They're going to bring it to you real quickly. It's going to take you all of about 30 seconds to fill it out, and then it's going to be collected, and there will be a prize. So I'll wait till you get it real quickly, and I'm going to walk you through it, even though it's pretty self-explanatory. Anybody else? Raise your hand real, real quickly. We've got ink pens as well if you need it. All right, these guys are helping. I really appreciate it. It says circle one, member or adherent. Adherent, if you know what a member is, you're a member of First Assembly. It means you have the card that will get you into heaven, and also as a member of First Assembly. Adherent simply means that you are a part of this church. This is your church family. You come, but maybe you just haven't taken the, uh, the, the, the opportunity to join us of yet. So circle whichever one you are. How often, now listen, don't put your name on this because you'll incriminate yourself if you do. How often do you attend Sunday morning worship? Say weekly, and that doesn't mean you never miss like for, a, uh, you know, going out of town for a vacation, but weekly, like you're faithful. Doors are open, you're here. Two to three times monthly. Um, that just means we won't talk about you, but we're glad that you will f just be honest. Occasionally, okay, I, you know, I'm here every now and then right there so if you would that's question number one anybody else up and i'm waiting real quickly anybody else i'm ahead of you i, I got jumped ahead i jumped ahead of brother daryl and sister kathy but that's all right they can catch up they're sharp how often do you attend sunday morning worship it says number two of the questions how often do you attend wednesday evening service weekly I come every week i come two to three times a month i occasionally as i as I, time allows or never, and then here's the moment where you can write something down for me. If never, why? If never, why? That's a fair question. Because I don't know if you're not coming. I mean, we have great services on Wednesday night. Thank you for four people and their support for a Wednesday night service. If never, why? <laughs> All right, two more questions. If we added... This is the big question. If you were here Wednesday night, you know it was a point of discussion for us. It will be a point of discussion for us this Wednesday night. If you want to add your agreement and discussion one way or the other, this, you will have the opportunity. If we added a Sunday evening worship service, how often would you attend? Weekly, two to three times monthly, occasionally, or never? If never, why? Be honest. I, I would rather watch uh, TV or the football game or I'm just busy. I'm working. I'd like to go to the lake. Pastor's preaching stinks. Whatever you choose to do, put it on there and, and go from there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I heard somebody say, be careful what you ask for. Hey, you know what? I'm far enough in this now. I'm on the downhill slope now, you know, from there, so I, I can handle it and, uh, and just take it. Really, here's, here's the thing. I just want the best for Heber Springs First Assembly of God. And, and I, we're, we've come through, it's a season of transition. The, the, the transition is, is nearing completion, but, but we've got to have clear direction. I don't want to just come from, I want to go to. Come on, somebody. I don't want to just be transformed from something. I want to be transformed into something. And so lastly, do you have nursery-age children? That's a yes or no circle. 
And if yes, number of children, number of children would let would help me out, and then once you have completed that, any, I don't want to say everybody caught up with it, I told you it was a quick survey, so I'm going to have those same handsome gentlemen, if they would, if they would go ahead and go around and gather those back up. Now, church family, I want you to know I'm going to do this again next week and one more week, because not everybody's here week to week. We have a lot of people that, especially during the holiday, so I'll do it real quickly. So we're going to tuck that away. If There'll be more. If you want to know more about this, come on Wednesday night. Amen? As they're taking it up, I'm going to move into the ministry of the Word this morning. So we're going to rejourney down some familiar paths quickly this morning on some scriptures that if you're a part of our fellowship, I've been on. My son-in-law, Matt, brought a great word to us last week, and I said Amen really challenged our hearts. It was, uh, it was very impactful to many of us, and, uh, and we're grateful. It was a little pause in this sermon series that I've been on for many, many weeks now. I'm going to ask you to, to um, I'm going to ask you actually to remain seated right now, because I'm going to do things out of order just a little bit. We will stand in honor of the reading of about 11 verses or so here in a few minutes, but for right now, I want you to read with me these familiar passages to our church family out of the book of Romans, chapter number 10. And they're going to put it on the screen. They will help you, but I like, for, I like to hear the sound of your pages turn. I think it's important for you to familiarize yourself with your Bible, not just the electronic version. Amen? It says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. There's a powerful revelation in this verse of Scripture, that the word of faith is in your heart and it's in your mouth. Remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter number 11 when he said that concerning speaking to a mountain, just using the power of the profession of the word of God, he said, if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Obviously, I've got my King James on here today. Be thou removed and be thou uh, cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that the words that you say shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever you say. The word of faith is in your heart and it's in your, come on, amen, your mouth. I mean, you know, you've got to protect what you say. Romans chapter 15, verse number 4. It's familiar to many of you. We'll read it one more time. For whatsoever things were written aforetime. I started reading before you stopped turning pages. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. I want you to think about that for just a moment of time. The scripture, Paul is looking back to the Mosaic law, the Torah, the instruction, five books. But also he's going beyond the Torah. He's going to the prophets and the Psalms. He's saying whatsoever that the prophets of old were moved by the Holy Spirit and penned, those words were written previously for your learning so that you through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. 
That's why you've got to know the Word of God. And it's a lifelong journey of knowing the Word of God and of learning and of hiding the Word in your heart that you will not sin against the Lord. So Paul then almost repeats himself to the letter in the letter uh, to the Corinthian church, but he's very narrowed here. We won't read the entirety of the 10th chapter, but if you were, you will see that he's not just talking about all things that were written aforetime now. He's speaking almost exclusively of the journey of the children of Israel out of Egypt, through the wandering, and into the promised land. And he said here in the 11th verse about those experiences, he said, all of those things happened unto them for examples, in samples it says, and they are written for what? Your admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So that particular segment of human history as the writers recorded the events of the children of Israel from Egypt's bondage, bondage to Mount Sinai to the wanderings in the wilderness and ultimately their entrance into Canaan's land is a very special and specific period of time that we can look back on even when if we feel like we're in the end of the age that we're living in today and it still speaks to us come on somebody it still speaks to you today so with this very very quickly I want to take a moment and be personal and share from my heart as I then take you to where I want you to go with me today on this journey so now I have as I look inward on myself, as I attempt to communicate to you things that I believe that the Lord quickens in my heart, I have a style of preaching. I speak to the other preachers that are in my life about ministry style. Everybody has a ministry style. I've spoken with my son-in-law who preached last week about a ministry style. I, I, I often say this, my style of preaching is a little bit different versus a popular style of preaching that's in the church culture today. So my personal intent is this, and it's just the Word. I want to take you into the Word of God. I want to take you into its breadth or its width. But then as we, as, we, as we grow in our broader understanding, then I want to take you deeper. I want to take you into a, a place where you desire knowledge. Did you know the Scripture says, in all you're getting, get understanding? Right? I want you to know the Lord because how does the Lord reveal Himself? In His Word. Right, And so it's a part of, as I preach, I, I then pray for a revelation of the Spirit that we can look at even historical events and God will breathe on that and breathe revelation into our heart and mind concerning it. Amen? Now let's go a little bit farther. I want you as a believer to be able to meditate upon the Word of God, to think about it and ponder it. Now, the more popular style of preaching today is this. Some people have a thought, and then they find a word to support that thought. Now, what I typically do is I take the word, and after I read and meditate and ponder, I extract the thought from the word. Now, the reason is this. The reason is, is my desire as your pastor is to more than just reach you or minister to you. My desire is to disciple you. And I know that I can't, it's not like in the days of old when the disciples followed along behind their master, their teacher, 
as we see in the Gospels where they were living together every day. But what it means is for me, I have to maximize this moment because I want you to be able to ponder on something that was said this morning. I want you through the course of the week while you're working at your job and you have time to think possibly at certain times, maybe not in others. If you get any type of meditation, the Spirit of God can take what was sown in your heart and life And he can then begin to reveal it deeper to you and make it more personal to your family and to your life. That's my hope because it's a living word. (laughs) Amen. So with this, we've been following Israel from Egypt to Sinai. And so originally this sermon series was spoken of as the word of faith. But over this journey, it began to morph more into a journey of faith rather than simply the word of faith. The word of faith is a part of our journey of faith. Right? All of us, I hope, are on a journey of faith. Right? The Bible still tells you this. We here, we have no continuing city. We are looking for one yet to come. The Bible still plainly says we are strangers and pilgrims. Right? We're simply but passing through. We're all on a journey. Right? The destination is not your best life now. Your des- the destination is when you're with him in God's eternal kingdom. Right And how we live and how we relate to others during this time. And so pastorally again, here's what I desire to do. I desire to speak a word to both the individual that's here today, that's you, your individual life, but also corporately. And it's not always easy because let me just say this. Oftentimes people cannot see past their own need. But for me as a pastor, what my desire is, is to, yes, minister to you in your, in your need. Yes, to see your need and minister to it. But part of my desire is to help you see beyond your need and to see the greater good of the overall uh, work of the Spirit of God in the fellowship as a whole. And so uh, the writer of Ezekiel, uh, the book of Ezekiel said this, it was like a wheel within a wheel. You've got to see, yes, I have an individual need. But I also have this greater need that represents this body, this fellowship. Pastors have this unique challenge of ministering to you, but then also ministering through you to the greater. Are you all out there today? So with that, where have we been real quick in this journey? So obviously, we were with the promise made to Abraham and then to Isaac and to Jacob. That was the word of faith. That's where we commenced about that God would deliver the children of Abraham after they would be held in bondage for 400 years. And we went into Egypt. We actually, even before Egypt, we went to the Midian Desert where a man by the name of Moses had fled from Pharaoh and dwelt on the backside of the Midian Desert for 40 years When he saw something that caught his attention, a bush began to burn but was not consumed. And he drew near to the bush, and the Bible says he heard the audible voice of a living God speaking to him out of the fiery bush that was burning that wasn't consumed. It's a powerful story. I can't go back and preach it all. That's been our journey. God gave him the word of faith, the same word of faith he had spoken to Moses, and that is bring my children out of Egypt and bring them into the land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've been following that journey from him going, taking, having the courage, Moses and Aaron, his brother, at his side, having the courage to go before the greatest power of that day, that is the Egyptians, and speak to them that the God of their fathers has met with them in the wilderness and said, you are to let my people go. And how there was contention and there was backlash and the, the enemy always has rebuttal at the word of God. You can start speaking it, but it doesn't mean the enemy will immediately begin to respond Right, He will actually often respond negatively coming against you because you're now speaking the word of faith. 
And so we, we, we searched that. I can't preach it all again. But we, we recognized that the children of Israel could not be delivered from Egyptian bondage without the protecting power of the blood of the Passover lamb that covered them. For the death angel would have come into their homes as well because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But when they put the blood on the doorpost that prevented the, in, that prevented the angel of death from taking their firstborn as well. And you and I looked at that and said, you know what? That blood reminds me of the blood of Jesus that was spilt on the cross of Calvary. And that preached so well, I preached it back to back two weeks. Because when you get to talking about the blood, I'm telling you, you'll find a reason to shout. Amen. And from there, we went to the Red Sea. We saw the waters part. From there, we began the journey, the journey of faith. And we made our way alongside of the children of Israel all the way to the base of Mount Sinai when a granite mountain exploded in the presence of the living God. And God came down and sat on the mountain. And the people shrieked back in fear because of the glory of God. And I've said this, and so would you if the living God revealed himself in such a way. But Moses had the courage to go into the darkness where God was. And he heard the voice of God. And you know what he gave us? He gave us the commandments, the ten commandments. And then those that are, well, the Bible says, after the tenor of these words, I have spoken to Israel in harmony with or in likeness of these words. So we still have those same words today, amen? The very words of God spoken on the mountain, recorded first by the finger of God on stone. But now, now God writes those same precepts and principles on the fleshly table of our heart. Amen. It's a powerful thing. We've been following the children of Israel through some of their challenges. And I've took you through the church in the wilderness to holiness. I knew you wouldn't shout me down on that one right there. And dealing with separation that God calls us out. Can I just quote to you a word from the, the Apostle Paul's pen? You are not your own. Let me go ahead and just tell you that. Oh, it's, I live my life. No, if you were bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you are his. Right? You can't have, you know, I've said it a million times since I've been your pastor. This is not Burger King, and you cannot have it your way. It's the kingdom of God. You have to be shaped and formed into who he's called you to be. He has a divine right. The moment that you said, you're my Lord and Savior, then he has a divine right to expect change in your life, right? That's what the kingdom of God is, and that's our journey. He's called us to holiness, and he's called us to separation. Now, in this, I overlooked something that I'm taking you back to today, something very unique. Then we're going to pick this up, and that was in the words of our own Dr. Brassfield. That's my introduction. So now, if you would, the book of Numbers, chapter number one, we're going to stand for an honor of the reading of Scripture for just a moment of time. Ah, my preacher's going to come out of me today here. He's locked up inside of me, and I'm going to let him out here. Chapter number one, verses one through four. We're going to jump around. It's about 11 verses is all, but let's read it here. And the Lord, don't you love the King James Version of the Bible, the authorized version of the Bible? Your Bible's not called the authorized version, but mine is. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the congregation, on the first day of the second month, in the second year that they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, notice this, read it slowly, take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel, after their families, by the house of their fathers, 
even the, no, read it slowly, with the number of their names. How many know God's got you named? Come on, somebody. Every male by their poles. Now, wait just a minute, ladies. Don't throw anything at me. I'll bring clarity to that here in just a little while. From 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war. That's why it was simply polled by or, or numbered by the males. It was all that were able to go forth to war in Israel. Thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And with you there shall be a man of every tribe, every one head of the house of his fathers. Now let's jump down, and we're going to read verses 16 through 19. These were the renowned of the congregation, princes of the tribes of their fathers, heads of thousands in Israel. And Moses and Aaron took these men, which are expressed by their names, and they assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month, and they declared their pedigrees after their families by the house of their fathers, according to the number of their names, from 20 years old and upward by their poles or by their heads. In the Hebrew, it's actually by their skulls. And the Lord commanded Moses, so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. So he numbered them. One last passage, and then we're going to pray real quickly. Three additional verses at the end of this numbering here. It says here, these are those, because we didn't read all the different tribes, all the names of the leaders of the tribes, and then all the people that were within the tribes that were numbered from 20 years old and upward. These are those that were numbered, which Moses and Aaron numbered, and the princes of Israel being 12 men, each one was for the house of his fathers. So were all those that were numbered of the children of Israel by the house of their fathers from 20 years old and upward, all that were able to go to war in Israel. Even all that were numbered were 600,000 and 3,000 and 550. That was the number. So here today, I want to talk to you about something. Here's the thought that's in my heart and mind from this text of Scripture. And that is, assembled and numbered. There's a difference. And I hope to help you with this today. Let's pray. you got to see yourself in this, church family. Come on, somebody. Amen. You say, Pastor, I'm not standing in the, the, the Sinai uh, desert or wilderness. Well, maybe you are. Maybe it's closer than what you think it is. Because we're all on a journey of faith. God wants to, I'm going to say this at the end, I'm going to say it now. It was never the will of God to just take the children of Israel out. It was always his desire to take them out, to bring them in. So let me say this to every one of you and daughters of the other side. God doesn't just want to take you out of bondage. He wants to bring you in to newness of life. Right? And there's a difference between being assembled and being numbered. All right, I'm going to help explain that to you here today. Father, I thank you for the reading of the Word of God. It's a great moment and opportunity that I have to preach. Lord, I thank you that the people are receptive. I'm telling you, they are sitting on bated breath, God, with bated breath to hear the Word of God today. I, they're, they're longing for the Word. They're thirsty for the Word. They're hungry for the Word. So, Father, today let preaching come easy in this house. Let me remove myself out of the way, my own carnal appetite, weaknesses of the flesh, limitations that I might have naturally. Father, let the Spirit of the living God go beyond and exceed, Father, to the degree that the hearts of men and women will be moved upon by the preaching of the Word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, come on, somebody, amen and amen. So now, as you're seated, you have to stay with me. 
Because I want you to understand the context of this. I just think this is something I just want you to know today, church family. This is just part of my heart to yours. It's about the Word of God. I know all of us have needs and we have issues. And sometimes we're searching the Word and we want a Word that's directly to every little need in our life. But let me tell you, listen, there's life in the Word. I'm telling you, you can read the book of Leviticus and God can still speak to your heart. Right, because his life is in the entirety of the book. So we're going to focus. We're going to move beyond your need today. We're going to move beyond your situation. We're going to pretend certain things aren't taking place. We're not going to talk about sporting events. We're not going to talk about the political world. We're not going to talk about Christmas here today. We're going to just simply look at the children of Israel in the, 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 the Sinai Peninsula, getting ready to make this journey and this exhortation that Moses receives from the Lord to number the people of Israel. So I want to talk a moment for, about this. We read it, the total, the cumulative number. Very quickly, here's how he told them to do it. He said, take them individually. He said, but first, bring them up according to their own tribe. If you know anything about the children of Israel, the sons of Jacob, there were 12. We call them the 12 tribes of Israel. He said, that let there be a father of one of the tribes chosen out, a leader amongst the families. And then, when you number every individual male, it was for war, primarily for war, and that's why assembly the men were mentioned. But now in today's covenant we're in, just let me jump ahead of myself. How many know it's neither male nor female, right? But there's value in all of us. Come on, somebody. And so we're numbered today in the number that I'm talking about. But for that polling of the people, it was the men. And so there, there was uh, uh, the, the, the tribe of Levi was not numbered. It was numbered separately because they were distinct from the people for their ministry purposes. There was a, an accumulative total. So he took the tribe of Judah. He took the tribe of Manasseh. He took the tribe of Benjamin. And he got the total there. And then he added that total together. And he arrived at this cumulative total of 603,550 males from the age of 20 and upward. So not the teenagers and not the men that were incapable any longer of carrying a sword in combat. It was this number. That's why we often say there was approximately 2.5 million men, women, boys, and girls in the wilderness journey. God had a very specific purpose. We're going to talk about it in a moment. So this numbering was, is called in Scripture the first numbering. There would be a second numbering 38 years later because in this journey through the book of Numbers, we're going to see there is a moment of unbelief that trips the people. They stumble in unbelief. And they're not allowed to go into the promised land that they were delivered from Egypt to possess because of their unbelief. Now, I'm not preaching that today, but be, this was so frustrating to the Lord. And how many of you know God has emotion? He can be angry. He can be grieved. He can be frustrated. He was frustrated by their unbelief that he said every person, every male that was numbered in the first census, 38 years later, he renumbers the people. And we're going to put it on the screen. There's just two verses there. It's in the 26th chapter. But notice this. You read it with me. But, the, but among those, there was not a man of them who Moses and Aaron had numbered previously in the wilderness of Sinai, except for, except for Caleb and Joshua. That was the only two. Go ahead and read that 65th verse there. 
And, and it said that they shall surely die in the wilderness. So in essence, God, and 38 years later, there was another census of the people, but he didn't number a single man that had been numbered the first time because they stumbled in unbelief, except for Joshua and Caleb who believed the word of the Lord. That's why it's important that you believe, right? That's, it's important that you say, God, if I'm going to be found guilty, let me be found guilty of believing the word of God. Now, there's a few questions that begin to jump out of this. Why? Why would a God, the God, who knows all things, have to have Moses number the people? Couldn't the Lord, who has the very hairs of your head, of your head numbered, who knows the number of the stars, who knows the grains of the sand on the seashore, couldn't he have just come to Moses and said, Moses, by the way, there's 603,550 men among you that have the ability to draw the sword. But he didn't choose to do that. And so when you look at this and you're trying to focus on it, it seems as if the revelation in that context is, is that you and I are co-laborers with him. And there is in this real quickly, even like our responsibility about sanctification that I preached about three weeks ago, we're to sanctify ourselves in some matters. In essence, this is consistent with God's dealing with his people throughout history. There is a divine promise, that's the word. There's his divine power, that's the ability of God to fulfill his word. But there's human accountability and responsibility along the way. And so God was bringing the people of Israel into their part of the equation. So I began to ponder about the why. Why the numbering? Why was the purpose of this, of this, of this census, if you will, in the wilderness? I think we, if we were being honest, we could say, well, part of it is it's because God's a God of order. He's revealed himself that way. As a matter of fact, if you looked at that deeper, I didn't tell you to, uh, we didn't read about it. It was they began to move in the tribes. This tribe couldn't just be co-mingled with that tribe. In their actual encampment around the tabernacle, the tribe of Judah had to be in one place. And the tribe of Benjamin had to be in one place. Or the tribe of Manasseh. God's a God of order. You've got to know that in your life because we live in that place called chaos sometimes. And let me tell you who typically reigns in a chaotic state, right? It's your adversary, the devil who looks for that lack of order and discipline in your own life. So it was God bringing order to the people that included tribal organization. It was positioning them for the journey, but it was also positioning them for warfare. It was that they were going to have to take the promised land. How many know there's a part of your journey where you just simply receive from the Lord? There are times in your walk of faith when you just simply, God says, sit back because I'm going to fight for you. There are times in your walk of faith, and you've got to know that. But there are also other times that you have to wet your own sword. You have to draw your own blade. You have to lift up your own shield. Come on, somebody. You have to fight against your own adversary. You can't always call the prayer chain to fight off every demon that comes knocking on your door. You've got to have the courage, the strength. You've got to be ordered. You've got to be trained. You've got to be equipped. You've got to be ready to do your part. In this battle. Come on, somebody. And so God was ordering the people. It was warfare that was going to take. Some warfare would take place in the wilderness. But I know this. Here's what's often overlooked when you think about them stumbling and walking for 38 years. We call it the 40-year journey in the wilderness. That was never God's intention. 
God's intention was come to the base of the mountain, get the word in your heart, get organization in your life, start walking out the word of God, and God would have taken them into the promised land, and they could have began to take possession of what God had promised. But because they stumbled in unbelief, it was 40 years in the wilderness. And so because of the failure of the people, again, for the next 38 years, again, they died. That second census revealed us, revealed to us that not a single man who was numbered in the first census was numbered in the second except for two who were listed by name. I love that. I'm going to say it again. God knows your name today, Joshua and Caleb. So there's a couple. I'm just going to mention just for information for a moment before I take this and make this pertinent to our church because I'm telling you we're at a, a pivotal point in the history of our church. There was a, those were two censuses that were taken in a 40-year period that had been ordered by God. If you know anything at all about the Word of God, there was another census taken later by David when David numbered the people, and it brought judgment on the people and David himself. And it's kind of odd when you contrast the two, and I've tried to think on this and study it out from the other from, from theologians who, who have, have uh, you know, knowledge in this area, and it seems as if that the reason why judgment came to David is because he was trusting in the number of his armed soldiers to be the strength and the defense of the nation, or also he possibly lacked that redemptive half shekel that was associated with the first numbering of Israel, which I'm not going to go into all that. I just want you to know that there's, that's not the last census or the last numbering that you're going to see in Scripture. So I was pondering on this, and I, I took a step back, and I said, let's talk about this, Lord, and let's think about this, and, and let me think about this for, for, for the children of Israel, but then what does it mean to us? What does this word here today, and what does it mean to you in particular? And, and, and how can we look back at a day when Moses had the children of Israel named by name, added by their tribe, under their fathers, and then cumulative uh, total given 603 plus thousand men in the wilderness journey? How can that affect us here today? Is there a divine revelation of something related to our involvement with God and the kingdom of God, our co-laboring together? And I think there is, and I'm going to drop some things down. I'm going to drop five little bullet points in your heart today that I believe that if you will listen, if you will have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church, that we can look back and we can see that census in the, in the, in the wilderness of Sinai and say, wait just a minute, God wants us to do more than just assemble. Anybody can assemble, but when you are numbered, you become a part of. So number one today I believe of why the children of Israel assembled and then were numbered in the wilderness is this right here. Number one is value. The value of each individual. Can I just say it to you one more time? The value of each individual who was numbered. They weren't just, they weren't just given. How many of you know when you go to the revenue office? Sometimes you'd rather run naked through the streets of Hebrew Springs than have to go to the revenue office, especially during lunchtime. And you ask yourself, what am I doing here? And I go, and so I didn't know there's this many people in all of Cleaver County. But what do they do? They assign you a number. You have a number, and you're waiting for your number. God numbered the people by their name because he valued each one. I want you to know today... It's just a reminder 
that as an individual, you have value to God. And by numbering amongst the people, you have value to this fellowship. And I'm going to preach it. I feel it in my heart. How many know God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? And did you know that God has his eternal love revealed for us in Christ Jesus? It's revealed for you and I. Did you know that Jesus taught the very principle, this very same principle in his parables and his practice? Let me give you an example of this. Because in one of his parables, he said this. He said, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep, and you know that in teaching about the, shep- the sheepfold, he said that, that he knows them by name. And the shepherd does. He knows them by name, which is consistent with where I'm teaching here for you today. But then he also said if he's counting in this process and he's numbering his sheep and he arrives and he says, wait just a minute, 97, 98, 99, 97, 98. I'm going to count one more time, 96, 97, 98, 99. And when that one is missing, what did Jesus say? He said the shepherd will leave the 99 with somebody else to take care of them and he will go out and he will search for the one Because he cares for the one, right? Because there's value in each that are a part of the kingdom of God. And even in Jesus' own ministry, you can see in one of the most powerful revelations of his love for the individual as well as the group. We can, any, everybody can say this, that God loved you so much that Jesus died for the world. Yes, he died for the world. But let me tell you, if you alone had been the world, he would have climbed up on that tree and spilt his blood because he loves you. Because you have value to God. You're valuable. The numbering of the people. Remember one of the stories of Jesus in John chapter 4. Not the stories that he told, but about him. How that in the midst of his ministry, he goes to a a little isolated place called Jacob's Well. And they need food. It's around lunchtime. They don't have any access. There's nobody, there's no restaurants out there where the well is. So he sends his disciples away so that he can have a unique and divine encounter with one singular woman because there was value in that woman. And there's value in your life today. And for the kingdom of God, let me say this. I want you to see that it's important in your life in the church, in the church, that you do more than assemble with the church. Because listen to this statement. We cannot fully value what we fail to number. Come on, let me say it one more time. You you can't fully value what you fail to number. If I number, if I I, I say, wait, then then there's a value that's placed on it. I want you to know there's a value on you, on you as an individual. That starts the journey. That starts this revelation in the numbering of Israel. This is my favorite one. This is one, oh, if there was ever... A prophet that could get frustrated and preach it in this, this is it, number two. But I try to be positive is accountability. (laughs) I want you to think about numbering for a moment. Because we as the American church, we shriek and we shrink from accountability. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I feel Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I heard your voice somewhere here. It wasn't here. It was somewhere here. And he was exhorting me because, listen, I want to say this real quickly. This is one of the, I believe, one of the, the detriments of the American church. It's, it's one of the things that if we ever should have any measure of criticism, I want you to know today that the individual, you, that we have value and you have value, that you should be accountable to the group, to the whole. 
So, so again, when you have truly numbered among us, here, when you're truly numbered with the church, we have a responsibility to you. We do. But let me go ahead and rock your boat this morning. You have a responsibility to us. It's part of a covenant. Did you know in the military, there's a lot of military people under the sound of my voice, including the one that's preaching to you today. It's called in the military, it's called AWOL. Many of you may know what that means. It's absent without leave. Did you know half of the church at any given time is AWOL? Well, we just simply don't show up in the military. They call it dereliction of duty. And they will put you in the brig. They will put you in jail before not being at the post. But in the church, we just fly through the church doing whatever we want to do. We're almost like the place where the children of Israel arrived at in the wilderness. When they, or excuse me, in Canaan's land, when you read the book of Judges, it's mentioned two times by the writer of the book of Judges, and it smites my heart every time I read it. It says this, that the children of Israel, because there was no king in those days, every man did what was right in his own eyes. He just made it up as he went. He was not accountable to his brother or his sister or to his tribe. He just did it the way that he thought that he should do it. And so when that happens, let me tell you what we typically do in the American church, we slip blame upon someone or somebody else. But when you join the fellowship, you are bringing yourself into accountability that you are not your own. A moment ago, you were shouting me down when I said you're not your own. But we're not our own, and God expects us to be numbered and not just assembled. Oh, that's good right there. So let me go ahead and say this. I have a question. When you willfully and purposely separate, all right, I got to be careful because I, Lord Jesus, help me, that I don't preach in, in critical spirit or with frustration, that I preach with inspiration. I've been doing it a long time. Let me preach with inspiration rather than frustration. But I'm going to go ahead and challenge people today. And this, when you willfully and purposely separate or isolate yourself from the fellowship that you joined, why is it the group's fault? Why, why is it? We're here every Sunday. We're here even on Wednesday. We may be here more than what we've been here lately. Right? This is the hub. This is the place. It's not anybody else's fault. Look yourself in the mirror. Well, nobody called me. Well, how many people have you called? Right? I'm challenging. I hate this part of the American church. It's one of the greatest weaknesses in the Christian character in the Western world. We want to be valued, but we don't want accountability. But let me tell you the truth today. We need both. We need you to know that you are valuable in the eyes of God, and you're valuable to this fellowship. But being numbered should stimulate your accountability to the fellowship. It should stir your heart and this sense of responsibility to be accountable by being numbered amongst the people of God. Whoo, that's good preaching for a young guy like myself. Okay, a formerly young guy like myself. Number three, here's another part of this. Think on it with for just a moment. So it's very pastoral today. I know that, but you know, I can't apologize for that. You know why? Because it doesn't say Prophet Brown. It doesn't say Apostle Brown. It says Pastor Brown who cares about this fellowship as a whole, as a whole, that we come together, God, and took Moses, and he said, Moses, I want you to number the people. The people had assembled, but I want you to see in churches, there's a lot of churches where people are assembling, but they're not willfully allowing themselves to be numbered 
by coming into the heart of the fellowship. Now, there's only five. This is three. What about this? I want you to think about it from, from perhaps a leadership perspective. Maybe not from your perspective initially. But if you learn to value who you are, then you'll see it this way in just a moment. Effectiveness. Number three, effectiveness. What does that mean? Well, for Israel, it needed to be military effectiveness. They couldn't be incompetent. They couldn't not know what, you know, like, where, where's my sword? You know, I, I don't have a, I'm no, there's no, they're about to go into warfare. Have you read what they were about to face when they went into the promised land? The Bible says that there were seven nations greater in number than them, including the giants dwelling in the land. So there had to be some measure of military effectiveness. And so in the context of numbers, we, there's a reason why pastorally is that we want you to be valued and we want you to be accountable. It's this right here is because we are never as strong without you. We are always stronger with you. We want the body to be the healthiest and the strongest, the most fully functioning. We want to maximize our potential in Christ, right? You have gifts and callings. You have unctions and anointings. You have a zeal and a passion. You have resources, love and fellowship, on and on, that are particular to this fellowship. We are never the same when you are not here. When you look around us today at these empty seats, Somebody belongs in those seats, right? Who hasn't accepted what I'm preaching today, that there's a difference between being assembled and numbered. Let's put a scripture on the screen. Ephesians 4 and 16, and let's read it very slowly. I'm going to turn with you here today. From whom the whole body. Are you a part of the body today? From the whole body, fitly joined together. That means it's uniquely joined and compacted by that which every joint supplies. That means there's critical people among us that help unite other people groups in the fellowship according, let's go look at it right here, according to the effectual working in the measure of what, read those two words, of every part, three words, of every part, of every part, of every part, because when the body is working effectively, it takes every part of the body for the body to be at its fullest and it's maximizing its effectiveness. And what's the, end, what, what, what's the end result? It makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Right? So the reason why our churches are weak and anemic is oftentimes it's because we're not accountable to one another and we don't realize that our value and when we don't bring the fullest of our giftings and our callings to the fellowship, then we cause the church to be anemic. We, we lose our strength when you don't add your gifting to the heart of the assembly. For ancient Israel, it was potential warriors with possibly particular skills. All were needed to take the land. And some of those skills had already been proven. And as a fellowship, there are those of you that are among us. We are assembling not the same when we don't hear the echoing of your voice in worship. Or we don't see you falling prostrate when you're absent. When you're not, you're not seated in your seat in Sunday school. Or you're not in the foyer when you're absent. Uh, I'm telling you, our church is never, never the same without that. We need you. I believe that when Moses, when God said, Moses, number the people. God was saying, I want, this church, I want this church in the wilderness. It's going to be militant. It's got to have military effectiveness. It's got to maximize all. Every person's got to play a part. You've got to play a part. Number four today, real quickly today. There's only five. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. I've started out pretty good, but y'all are waning on me now. 
Number four is care. There's a beautiful part of being a part of the body of Christ. This is the, the, if ever there's a part that's beautiful related to our connections within the body, it's that if you're really down, not negligent, I'm not going to count that, or, or, or slothful, but if you're wounded, how many know life can wound you? I mean, there are situations where you just get hurt, you get tripped up, you get oppressed. There are oppressing spirits and demonic powers that come sometimes just weigh upon you, the enemy. How about your own mind? So my greatest battle is my own mind at times, and, and I can get down. It, it, the thing that helps so much is to know that somebody cares. It's the power of the body of Christ. It's the beauty of being connected. It's the beauty of being numbered. But if all you are is assembled, you might, and if you're not numbered, you might not have somebody. Listen, you, if you don't number yourself, you, not, you might not be able to truly, somebody may not be able to truly come to you and minister to you. Numbering to me personally, here's what it is. It's a part of covenant. When you allow yourself to be numbered in the, in the fellowship of faith, you're bringing yourself into covenant with the people of God. And did you know if you're in covenant with the people of God, the people care? Right? People care. Sister Sharita and I have been hanging out together for almost 40 years. 37 years in marriage, two and a half years of dating prior to that. At 15 years of age, I started that journey. 15 years old. Haha, <laughs> that's funny right there. I don't recommend that for your 15-year-old. But for me, it was my journey of life. And with that said... Listen, if she's absent, if I come home, she's absent, I'm going to find her. I'm Because we're in covenant together. There's, there's a powerful something in Scripture. I'm going to take a moment just real quickly about this. Let's, I'm going to jump to close the message a little bit to David from Moses and Israel. And usually I recommend don't do that. Stay with the people group that you're in. But i got to jump to David for a moment. Does anybody remember when he had been anointed to be the king of Israel? But he's not yet. He's a fugitive from Saul because Saul's jealousy. Does anybody remember that? Tried to kill him on two separate occasions, right? Tried to throw a spear at him. David's in there playing. You know, he's got the worship music on. He's over there singing, I am, you know, in the bush of Abraham. And he's ducking spears and everything. And finally, he had to go. He had to go. He couldn't handle that anymore. And he's a fugitive for the next few years. And, and so Jaw, or excuse me, Saul is in pursuit of him daily because he's of his jealousy that's where the jaw came from his jealousy this jealousy of Saul but the Bible says it must have been supernatural it must have been supernatural because Saul was going out daily after him and couldn't find him the Bible says it was he was like a bird or a fowl in the mountains he couldn't find him but there's a unique moment in first first Samuel 23 that tells this same story Saul can't find him but how many of you know that David had a had a covenant brother called Jonathan. And Jonathan's heart was knit to David's. And here's, it's powerful. People often overlook this. Jonathan goes out and he finds David. Saul had men all over skimming all through the mountains and they couldn't find where he was hiding. But one lone figure who's in covenant, who cares for his brother, finds David. 
And when he finds David, here's what the Bible says. He strengthened his hand in God. And so I want you to know there's power in being numbered in the fellowship because people care. And then when you're really down and you're really hurting, I want you to know they will find you and they will lift you and they will strengthen you and bring you back to the fellowship so that we can be effective in what God's called us to be. It's an important part of the kingdom of God. God cares. God cares for you today. He cares for you today. And lastly today, number five. I hesitated with this one, but it's important. Sometimes it's just a, it's a show of support. Sometimes you just need that. How I many you know the old adage is there's strength in numbers, right? Sometimes you just got to know. Sometimes you just got to know, say, who we are and who is for us. And whose heart is knit to ours. I told you it's the year of transition for our church. And I think that God's taken our church through a sifting and a shifting. And sometimes we just have to ask, where's your heart at today? Where's your support? It gives strength to the body, but it also strengthens the morale of the leaders. Did you know the morale of the leaders can fall at times? And God sometimes will often strengthen the morale of the leaders by saying, wait a minute, you're not alone. Remember when Elijah was on the mount, that same mount, Mount Sinai, and he had fled from Jezebel, and his heart was heavy? He even wanted to die. Right? He sat under the juniper tree, and he said, Lord, my life is no better than theirs. Take my life. But God wasn't through with him, right? And when he took him into the cave, and he heard the voice of God, and he said, remember what, what Elijah's complaint to God was? It was this. He said, he said, God, I'm the only one left. And you know what the word of faith that was that came back to Elijah he said, no, you're not. There's 7,000 others that haven't sold themselves out to Baal either. So sometimes there's just a show of support. Sometimes you just got to say, wait just a minute. I, you know what? Oh, wow. Well, I'm not alone in this. Right? I'm connected. There are people that share the same burden. They have similarities. They're fighting some of the same battles. Right? We're knit together in love. We're fighting back to back, butt to butt. Come on, somebody. I wouldn't say what we said in the Air Force, crack to crack, but I won't say that here today. We'll just keep on moving along. But you shoulder yourself beside one another as you fight your battles. It's a show of support. So let me show you this in closing here in First Chronicles. Again, i got to be careful because I don't want to shift fully to David without uh, and leave where I'm at with Moses in the wilderness. But it's similar because of the armies are gathering. And that's what we're doing. That's why you're here today. I'm closing this message. This is point number five. But read it with me. This is during the time David now, listen, in his gathering, people are coming to him. The armies are coming to him to transition the kingdom from that of Saul to David. So read this with me. It's just a few verses of Scripture. We're going to read a total of five verses. There came of the children of Benjamin and Judah to the hold unto David. And look what David did. And David went out to meet them. I'll tell you what, that's what pastors have to do sometimes. He goes out to meet them. And he answers them and he said this, If you've come peaceably to me to help me, look what he said, My heart will be knit to you. But if you come to betray me into the hand of my enemies, seeing there's no wrong in my heart, God's going to judge you for it. And people don't like to be held accountable like that in our generation. Well, we just, again, we just want it our way. We want it to be all about us. We want to be puffed up and, and pillowed up, and we want to, you know, everybody to honor and recognize us instead of just, met, sometimes you just got to say, wait a minute, this is for the good of the fellowship. It's for the good of the fellowship. It's not about me, not my personal desires or likes or anything. It's, it's about the good of the fellowship. But look what this next verse said. I love Amasai. I love this brother here. Then the Spirit comes upon Amasai and what he says, and I'm sure it's probably a Messiah, 
but I'll say it the best way I can, who was chief of the captains of that group of people that came from Judah and Benjamin. Here's what he said. It seemed as if the Spirit of God came upon him, and he said, David, we're on your side, son of David. Peace, peace be unto you, and peace be to your helpers, for God helpeth thee. And then David received them. And look at this. You've got to read into this. When he made them captains, what does that mean? He numbered them in the fellowship. They were numbered in the fellowship. And we're going to jump to the end of that passage for two verses real quickly. From that day forward, there came to them a host of people day by day as, the, as a great host like the host of God. And there were numbers of bands that were ready for war. Numbered. Church family, it's time to stop being assembled. We need to be assembled and numbered to be who God's called us to be. But let me tell you with this real quickly. To be who God's called you to be. So now I didn't know until last night that the daughters of the other side were going to be in service with us as I conclude. Brother Darrell, if you don't care to join me on the platform, I would appreciate it greatly. I didn't know until Sister Sharon texted us. And, and I knew it when it went to you. I knew what my pastoral sermon was here today. And when you have a group of young ladies like this here and we know, we know what you're going through. We, we know the challenges. We know what brought you to daughters of the other side. Come on. We, we know, we, and, and we, we value and respect, but I want to go back to something real quickly because I thought on this immediately. Daughters of the other side are, are helping by the grace of God. They're helpers in this journey by the grace of God. They're helping bring you out of that Egyptian bondage that I just was a part of my sermon. That Egyptian bondage means sin, darkness, brokenness, pain, sorrow, addiction, Come on, somebody. But what I want to tell you, I think I told some of you the last time we were with us. But God's intention, I said this earlier, now I'm going to make it more particular to you. God's intention is never to bring you out. It's to bring you out that he might bring you in. And that's where, listen, that's where often I, and sometimes there's a breach. Because ladies or men, I'm telling you, they get this powerful work of grace. It's like, I mean, the glory of God, the power during this season that you're there. It's just powerful. You're coming out of darkness. You're coming out of bondage. You're learning that your sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. You're learning that he died for you and that you're his. And, and, and again, that you're called to be his. But where often failure comes is that you don't number with the fellowships in the communities that you go back into. Who our purpose then would be to help bring you in. That's good, church family. That's good right there, to help bring you in. Because, see, God doesn't just want, God's design is not for you just to shake off heavy bands. God's design is not for you to just have chains fall at your feet. God's design for you to, is to put that, those chains that had been shackled in slavery now suddenly have a sword to draw, right? Because you got a family to defend. Come on, somebody. you got houses to take that you didn't build. you got vineyards that are yours that you didn't plant. And you got wells, come on, somebody, that you didn't dig. And you got to take them. They're not just going to be. What that means is there's covenant promises for you. And you got to go after them in the name of Jesus and you got to be a warrior for Christ. But you can't be if you're not numbered amongst the saints. 
You've got to be numbered. And in the, in the Western world, we're good about assembling. We're good about assimilation. But we fail and we have a great breach when people want to put this sense of accountability on us. And we run from it. And in doing so, we cause the church to be weak and anemic. Did you know I was reading an article this morning? I don't know why it caused me to turn there. And in the magazine presented to the Assemblies of God ministers called the Enrichment Journal. And it was, called, it was talking about the state of the church in America and how many, so people have, how many people have left and how we might see some of them come back. But did you know that in the last 25 years in the American church, the greatest decline and involvement in the church and the history of this nation has occurred. I mean, you can see it in the culture. It's reflected in the culture. What's that number? Are you just making this up? No. 40 million people, 40 million Americans that at some point in time in their past were involved in a local church of some kind, and now not only are they not numbered, they're not even assembling with the church any longer. And they're sitting at home trying to fend off evil or succumb to it one or the other. Rather than assembling with the people of God and being numbered with the people of God, causing us to be 600,000 warriors fully capable of taking every promise that God has made for us. But it doesn't happen. Doesn't happen if you won't be numbered in the kingdom of God. That's powerful, isn't it, church family? It's my heart to yours. It's a pastor's heart. Our church, we need a work of grace. We need a show of support. We need people to say, I, Pastor, I'm with you. Come on, somebody, I'm with you. I can be who God's called me to be as long as we can be who God's called us to be. Come on, somebody. Won't you stand up with me today and let's pray about something. Let's pray about something. Why don't you just come to the front if this morning, if you would, for a moment of time. Just a moment of time. Step out. Step out. Step out. Just step out. If, as you step out, you say, I'm stepping in. I love that. You step out, you step in. I want to step in to the next season of growth and, and effectiveness and ministry in my life so that I can be all that God's called me to be. And I want to ask our church family to just kind of come alongside somebody and get up. Don't be, why are we afraid to touch somebody in church? I watched way too much football yesterday. Roll, tide, roll. Number one, let's move on. <laughs> you notice I didn't say anything about the Razorbacks because we don't have time to really go. That's right. This exciting sermon would be very depressive very quickly if we did, so we won't go there. But I watch these muscular men that just, you know, that, I mean, just, they're just in, they, they, they make football like combat. It's not. You ask any combat warrior, it's not the same. Because that, that, that's not a bullet coming at you. But I, you watch these men, they'll get in that huddle, and they'll go arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder. I've watched many times in the pros, and they'll hold hands. You do that in the church, I'm telling you, you'll freak every person out. Why? Why, why? why have we lost our value of being assimilated into the fellowship? We're not valuing being numbered. What can you do to show your allegiance to this fellowship? This is very personal. Number one, you ought to join. I said it years ago, and I hurt some people's feelings, and I guess I get paid to do that at times. Why do you date the church when God wants you to marry the church? Right? You need to join the church. Come on, somebody. 
And he said, oh, well, I, yeah, then I, I know there's always those people that are so super spiritual. I, I have joined the church when I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I understand that. The children of Israel were delivered by the, by the blood of the Passover lamb, but he still wanted them numbered. Right? Come on, somebody. Amen. Number two, all of us are going to, we got to strive to be faithful to service. Did you know what service is for us? It's the rallying point. You know, you got, there are a lot of churches that everything is about serving. Serving, so you got to be on the serve team. You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. We want you in the foyer, on the parking lot team, we want you on the toilet team, we want you doing all these things. You know what? Here's my heart for you today. Here's, uh, here's we, from my vision for this church has always been we limit that because we value this over that. We, ha- we need Martha's, we need people cooking and cleaning and all that, but we need Mary first. We want you to have the opportunity to be Mary more than our Martha. Right, Because I, I know your life is radically changed, not when you're just serving in the parking lot. Right? That's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. I'm not trying to diminish it. We need it. We certainly have people in place. But what changes you is hearing the Word of God. Right? Hearing the Word because it gets inside of you. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we value this moment, and then we must connect to other believers. There was a name. Everybody's name was written down. Everybody was counted. But also this, everybody was in a tribe. Come on, somebody. Are you in the tribe today? Are you connected to folks in your tribe? That's a powerful thing, isn't it? Let's pray today. I feel the Spirit of God in our service here today. I know I preach a lot longer than most pastors. That's why I get paid the big bucks, I guess. Come on, somebody. Amen. The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Let's just commit ourselves. Where are you at? Where are you on this journey? Where are you at, daughters of the other side? Are you going to be numbered? Are you going to, when you get back to your community, wherever you're going, are you going to say, are you going to find that fellowship that God leads you to? Are you going to make an appointment with that pastor? And you're going to say, pastor, every time the doors of this church are open, I'm going to be there because God didn't just bring me out so that I would die in the wilderness. God brought me out so I'd go in and be all that God called me to be. And in doing so, you got to be a part of the fellowship. you got to be numbered amongst the people of God. Find somebody to pray with today, church family. Link up with somebody. I feel the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. I, I just feel the presence of the Lord right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. The Spirit.